Episode 92, Sunil Godsey, expert on intuition in business. Yeah, this is one of the four types of intuition we'll get into. Like, it's just, there's something odd about him, the way that he was hanging around, the way he was looking. I just, I told her, like, there's something, there's something freaky about this guy. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth, and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For show notes, links, and more, visit our website at markgraben.com slash mistake92. Hi, everybody. Welcome to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Raven. Our guest today is Sunil Godsey. He is coming to us uh, from London, and I guess I will say it's the other London, uh, London, Ontario, Canada. So before introducing Sunil, um, let me first say thank you for being here. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, um, thank you very much for getting a chance to uh, talk to your listeners and get them to really kind of dive deep into understanding what's this thing called intuition and why it helps you make the right decision in every situation. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that. Um, but uh, to, to tell you a little bit more about Sunil, he is an engineer by background. He has a company called Intuitionology. He teaches businesses how to boost their productivity by using intuitive resonance. So we'll have a chance to learn about that today. Using intuitive mm -hmm. resonance to establish trusted professional relationships. He is the author of two books titled Gut and Fail Fast, Succeed Faster. So uh, and it's gut with an exclamation point. That's a, that's a bold statement on the cover of the book, right, Sunil? Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, so before we, we talk about you know, some of those topics that are near and dear to your heart, do you have a favorite mistake that is near and dear to you as well? Yeah, so it, it's, it's going to be sort of – so it's a favorite of mine, and it was the, the whole catalyst around really kickstarting the reason why I wanted to dive really deep into intuition after reflecting on the past when I ignored it. Uh, and so this, this mistake was I had a friend of mine who was looking to get um, some coaching. I was doing some coaching while in, in engineering, and there was somebody that was stalking her. And so, um, again, this something was telling me that I needed to meet with her ASAP that evening. And for some reason, um, I said, let's meet a couple of days later. I didn't have anything uh, that afternoon, that evening. It was just completely open. But I made the mistake of saying, let's, make two, uh, let's meet two days later. And the very next day, uh, that same stalker walked up to her uh, at a bus shelter and put a bullet through her forehead. And that was the reason why I needed to ask the big why. Why did that mistake happen? And what was this something that was telling me not to ever make that mistake again? Wow. I mean, so, yeah, that's, um, I think, what to say. Um, there's, there's uh, so it sounds like there were two, this is what happens when I don't know the story um, in advance, but um the uh, the situation there, um, tragic and, and, and awful as it was, your your was was your gut 
on one level saying, well, I need to meet with her right away. But then on some level, there, were, there was something that said, it's okay to wait. Like, where, where do you, was, was your intuition contradictory or which, which of those two thoughts, meet now versus meet later, was based on intuition? Yeah, so the intuition is never wrong. And it's always that first signal that you get. And that was the first signal that I got was to meet with her that afternoon or that evening. Uh, and so what happens is, and we can get into this during the podcast interview, is that we start to ignore these signals. So for me, the signal was very strong. Um, but for me, I just I just had a tendency just to let that go. And I didn't at that time really understand that these signals were so important and that they were they're really primal in nature, uh, and when we get into the science, I'll I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, and I just let it go. And uh, of course, you know, reflecting back, you know, there were a couple of times where these some things had had come into play. I, I mean, two other examples of this was you know becoming an engineer. Um, and so as a South Asian male, uh, you know, there's four doors that you do go for as a career. It's it's, it's doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure. Yeah, right. And so I picked door number three. But yet again, there's that something that was telling me a different signal that was telling me to go into entrepreneurship. And I ignored it uh, and then got into engineering. Um, and consequently, it was really interesting that another signal two years later came up saying, yes, become a part investor in this opportunity for with the restaurant chain. Uh, and I said, absolutely. And that was the time I trusted it. Uh, and pretty soon I was making five times more in dividends from the restaurant than I was engineering. Um, and then um, the, the, another time the, sig- the signal came in or the something came in, I had this management consulting contract uh, and it was huge back down in Silicon Valley. Um, and from a, from a Canadian perspective, it was big money, uh, great opportunity. Um, and uh, But the contract terms kept changing. And so I just get like, I, I know like I should be backing off. Something was saying back off. Yet I was saying, uh, you know, emotionally I was so invested in that contract with the dollars that I went down there and um, I lost, they didn't pay me. I lost every single penny. Uh, and I came back up to Canada, 25 cents in my bank account. I was about to be married two years. My wife luckily was in India. She That's where I met her. And so as I'm driving across the Canadian-U.S. border, she's phoning me, saying, how, thing, how are things going, honey? I said, great. Uh, you know, just going to settle in. And um, the thing is, I didn't know where I was going to settle in. I, I had no money, and I didn't know where I was going to sleep that night. Before we kind of delve further into intuition, I, I, I'm curious with the story you told about uh, your friend who was killed to get a little resolution on that. For one, yeah. what, I, ho- I hope the killer was, was brought to justice for that. Yes, he was arrested. Yeah, he was absolutely arrested. And uh, yeah, he was thrown in jail. Uh, and then the whole issue of what happened there and, uh, you know, um, that sparked the thing with he had an illegal gun and he was seen multiple times. Um, uh, so she was actually ended up in a, in a he was a psych ward nurse. Um, and I remember visiting her at that, and it, it triggered, like, you know, as I was visiting her up there, it was just, this is one of the four types of intuition we'll get into. Like, it's just, there's something odd about him, the way that he was hanging around, the way he was looking. I just, I told her, like, there's something, there's something freaky about this guy. Um, and uh, then she got into a story about she, how she was having troubles with him. And I just said, well, you should tell the staff. I mean, like, he was staff, but this is really freaky. It was inappropriate. And again, that spidey sense for me, that intuition was telling me there's something there's something going on with this guy. Even if it's just him looking, it was the way that he looked, 
the energy that is transmitting, uh, you know, however we describe it. And I'll get into why sometimes we can't describe intuition. There's a reason uh, why we can't. Uh, but I was putting my own language around what I was feeling at the time. Uh, and, and sure enough, that was the same guy. Right. And so uh, devastating. What was um, the process, if you don't mind me asking, of, of kind of processing yeah. what had happened there in, in terms of, you know, that, that impact of, of not following your gut in that situation? Yeah, and so and at that time, obviously, there's sort of the emotional grief and uh, really kind of there's a lot of questions as to why there's a bit of blame that goes on. Um, I could have prevented it. Why didn't, why could, why didn't I prevent it? Why didn't I, why wasn't I able to prevent it? I should have met with her. Things would have been different. And so all these things are playing in my mind. But what really didn't sink in, what was, what did sink in was I knew. I knew what the right decision was, but I didn't take it. So that was sort of the, the statements I was making around that. Now, consequently, uh, you, you know, now that uh, after writing my, my, uh, my book, Fail Fast, Succeed Faster, it got, got me fascinated by intuition. Now I reflect back to this and reflect back to when were there times where I ignored this intuition and boom, that was just, yeah. it was just up there. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, I mean, you've shared examples, both um, personal and professional of the role intuition right. can play or the, the impact of ignoring intuition. Um, some of my wife talks to me about is, you know, she sort of, you know, counsels me to, to more often follow my gut um, about things. Yep. And, and, and she often listens to this podcast. So she uh, may end up listening to this and probably will be, you know, kind of smile and nod her head and we'll talk about it and, and she'll continue coaching me around this. But yeah. there are, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, she tells me, be aware of your surroundings. So it's just maybe lighten the mood a little bit. Tell, tell a story. Um, about a year and a half ago, I was up in uh, Winnipeg, another fine Canadian city. Mm. Oh, really? That's okay. where I was born, actually. And I was at a yeah. downtown hotel after my day of work and um, going out to dinner. And I came back to the hotel bar um, to have a drink. And I was just sitting at the bar, kind of minding my own business and not noticing. It. And then I, this feeling came over me. I'm like, what? Wait. Like, the, like what, what changed with the vibe in the room? And I kind of saw very much out of the corner of my eye that somebody had sat down two seats away. Where did he come from? And I just had this weird feeling. And then I, and I kind of half turned and he was interacting with the bartender. It was the actor Sean Penn. He was in town filming oh, wow. a movie. And so I thought, okay, wow, his reputation or that, that vibe <laughs> preceded him. Um, he didn't stay there very long and he had kind of a weird interaction with the bartender. And I know enough about Sean Penn's history to not ask him for an autograph or a picture because he punches people and smashes cameras. Um, so that was a combination of um, <laughs> intuition and knowledge that said, let the man yeah. be. <laughs> But there are probably more important, meaningful right. examples of I'll, I'll think about this after the podcast um, examples where professional intuition either helped me or um, caused a problem because I didn't follow it. Yeah. And you can think of a possible collaboration, possible partner. Um, typically, those are the ones or a customer or vendor or uh, so these are things that just just you get the sense that something's just not like the I's are not dotting, the T's are not crossed. Uh, and so. It, that can play out uh, when you ignore intuition that I knew I should have, could have, would have, uh, or you avoid that person. Um, and what you shouldn't do is wonder 
why what could have played out because when it comes to intuition you, you just let it go who cares because you've already made the decision to move uh, you know take a right instead of a left and don't worry about what would have happened if you stayed on the path uh if you had gotten left uh, gone left i mean do you think in in terms of um professional circles or or even society that we're taught somehow it's better to think about kind of the the, the rational, the logical, you and I are both engineers and that we should be making decisions mm-hmm. based off of data um, as opposed to, like, I don't, you know, you're talking about potential partnership. I don't know about them. Yeah. Or, or, or are, we, are we somehow taught or trained to, to ignore that? Yeah, I, I think it's, in some cases it goes down to older business models, uh, older ways of thinking, uh, you know, whenever, whenever. So for those people who I know have been through either a merger or a buyout, uh, and I and I have them either on my show or they're friends of mine. Uh, you know, one hundred percent of the time, of the ones that have been successful or the ones they backed away from, on paper, um, if they it looked good, uh, if they backed away, but something was up with the the people, the partners. In one case, uh, one of my colleagues actually went through with the merger, even though they knew there's something up with the paper with the with the people, and it was just a catastrophic cultural clash that he knew shouldn't have happened. And yet he did. The enterprise value went way down. Um, he punted out five, five years later. He, he got, he just got out. It was such a caustic partnership. Um, and so this is where uh, intuition kind of comes into play uh, over these things. So something is just not right. And uh, so we now have this sort of intangible entity or this phenomenon. And we're looking to, in most cases, have a, tangible thing that we want to hang our hat on. And so when it came to me looking at intuition, um, it really actually came from when I wrote my first book, Fail Fast, Succeed Faster. Uh, there's 286 people I interviewed and the and 75 stories of failure. And the premise for that book is if you learn from the lessons of others, then, and you don't repeat them, you should be able to fail faster, uh, succeed faster. Pardon me. So when I went back to the audio recordings, because one of the things I kept getting asked by entrepreneurs is, okay, Sunil, give me the one thing. And so I said, okay, this is why there's 400 pages in this book. Um, and it, it costs, you know, $34.95. You know, I didn't write it for like a one-page PDF thing. Here's the one thing, and then I'm just going to fill it with, uh, you know, <laughs> graphs and huge text of like 36 font. Um, and, and, you know, until I went back to the audio recordings. And what surprised me is 80 to 90% of the people who've gone through their failures or hurdles – Use some version of I knew what the right decision was. I should have trusted my gut. Um, yeah, I should have trusted my intuition, or something like that. It was just really uncanny. So I looked at intuition at that point as, it, and again, I give you the stories where I reflected back on mine. So how did I see it? Was there a definition? And I couldn't find one that I really resonated with me. Uh, I went online, and there's it, people call, talking about like voices from God and and manifestation and and and, it's, and spiritual nature. And that's okay if people define it that way for them. It that didn't resonate with me. I looked at some online definitions. You know, I just it, they're all over the place. And so I said, okay, what does it, what does the the science say? So I see it as like an art and a science. And so I look back to my engineering where I look at something like steel. It has like mass-like properties and energetic properties. Um, and so uh, I said, okay, I see intuition as sort of like an art and a science blend. The art is sort of these signals that we talk about. But what does the science say? 
Uh, and so I went to a colleague of mine who's a neurologist and I said, and I went up to him and I said, does intuition exist? I flip on the camera and he says, it absolutely exists. And he says, uh, you know, there's, he talks about the neurology and it goes down to the gut and more and more research is finding out that it actually acts way before we actually make decisions or take action. And he uses it for his patients. So I'm thinking, okay, he's talking about research. Let's go take a look at the research. And one of the first pieces of uh, research I saw was that it actually hits the primitive part of your brain, intuition acts in the amygdala. And no wonder I don't have a definition is because the amygdala, there's no language associated with it. We put our language around it. So that made sense. So how everybody else was describing it is okay for them. I describe it my own way. And so when I talk about these signals, they're very unique to you and I. So we can have a common signal. Let's say, let's call it a voice. So let's say you have a voice and I have a voice, and but yours may be signal number one, for example, uh, or in a professional situation, mine can be a personal situation. And the way that these signals work, that they're positive and negative. The positive ones obviously help you with the right decisions that you make. And for me, it's like the dots connecting or a flow. Uh, and one, uh, there was a singer-songwriter. She saw an orb. She actually had this orb come up as as this indication that she should do what she's doing. And another CEO had this omen. And so it, there's no shape or color, nothing. So he's doing something, either he's getting into a partnership or hiring somebody or talking to a vendor. And all of a sudden, psh, this omen comes up and he just stops and says, you're hired or I'm signing that contract now. Um, and he was very successful in growing shop.ca in Canada. And now he's doing he's running a clothing company with customized suits and he's doing wonderful there. Um, all tied to this omen. Of course, he's not going to tell his uh, board that. Um, because they may say, oh, I think we have some other things to talk about. Um, and then there's these negative signals. And the, the thing with the negative signals, they actually start very subtle in nature. And as you ignore the subtle ones, then they st- start to get louder and they change. And so some people think about, uh, you know, the ultimate signal being in a car crash, being homeless, or at the point where they're sticking a knife in their arms uh, before they actually start to trust their intuition. And then we have some odd ones. Like for me, it's, it's sort of the hairs in the back of my neck. I sometimes get like that negative voice uh, that's warning me. Um, but I had an entrepreneur I was uh, interviewing um, on failure, and he was saying that, uh, he says, Sunil, I don't know what my signals are. I'm not sure. Uh, but we'll just keep talking. And so as he's talking about the ventures that he got into that he hated or he went in for the wrong reasons, he starts grabbing his left earlobe. And then he, you know, like about 15 minutes in, he goes, Sunil, I just figured out what my signal is. It's my left earlobe. And so now he looks back and every time he got into those, those, uh, those uh, opportunities, his left earlobe got hot. Every, talk, every time he talked to his wife about those opportunities, his left earlobe got hot. So this is how individual it is. And so in the case where you and I have that, that voice that's common, let's say that's signal number one for you. That's great. That's your first intuitive signal, and you're going to act on it. If it's positive, fantastic. If it's negative, you, you, you've got the first signal, you realize it's negative, you switch to a positive, and then you make your decision. And this happens in a split second. For me, if that's a voice, and I don't pay attention and do the homework on the other signals, and that's signal number three, then that means I've made two bad decisions because I've ignored two signals. That could be the decision between stubbing my toe or going bankrupt. I don't know what the veracity of that decision is. And so that's how the sort of the art comes in. And the science also showed that infants as young as two months old 
have shown intuitive capabilities, or they call it intuitive physics in the in the research paper. So the premise of that you're born with it, to me, makes sense. You have all these neurons that are firing, and it's taking all these experiences, putting in the subconscious area of your brain, which research has shown that that's where it uh, comes in, and accumulates over time. Um, and so uh, the other research was showing at that time that intuition actually uh, hits you seven to ten seconds on average before you actually make a decision or take an action. So again, confirmed by my neurologist friend, Dr. Rathbone. Um, and I've been told that neuroscience research coming out of Toronto, a colleague of mine is also interested in the same area. She was saying that the, the, the research methodology has gotten even better, that a research paper coming out is showing that that's as, as early as 23 seconds before we actually take a decision or make an action. So this thing called intuition that hits the primitive part of your brain which has no language. It's just, and, and your primitive part of the brain is, is you're going to be eaten by this fear, safety. It, 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 that's mm-hmm. it is, right? And that's that, how it works. That, that, that was that gut feeling I had in that bar in Winnipeg. Of like, yes. Don't look at that guy. Maybe I yes. need to get away from that guy. And that was before no, <laughs> yes. before yes. knowing somebody it might be considered a little dangerous. Yeah. And interesting <laughs> how you say it's, it's intuition and knowledge, but knowledge is actually subsumed in intuition. And so, so you're right that it's intuition and knowledge, but it's actually intuition using knowledge of Sean Penn's past has got you to just look forward and just continue drinking. Um, it, 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 it made that, that knowledge um, emphasized the intuition. Yes, because that's or, part of what it yeah, does, right? That's and why so I you, didn't doubt it. In turn, it's exactly. well, maybe he's friendly. He just needs yeah. to talk to somebody. I, I didn't yeah. do that. Yeah, or you know, oh, you know, what are people going to think when I can tell that story that I got his his autograph? But now we got ego coming in. Like now you're looking at other people. What are they going? They're going to look at me. I'm going to get the dopamine hit. So you go against intuition. Mm. You ask him, <laughs> and luckily you're taking a chance. You're rolling a dice, and he doesn't punch you in the face. Um, right. right? Or he does punch you in the face, and you know you look back, and of course you're not going to say I should have trusted my intuition. You would have said I knew better. Ah, yeah, yeah. Right. When we find. I'm going to listen for that as I hear other people's stories about um, their favorite mistakes. And um, but, uh, Sunil, can you tell us about? Um, you've talked about intuition. What What do you mean by intuitive resonance? So, intuitive resonance is when you align the intuition between a company and the people that it associates with. So, everything in a company is about relationships. So, it's the relationships you have with your customers, with your employees, and on an intuitive level. If I'm an employee. Uh, my productivity is going to be the highest when my intuition resonates with yours. And what that means is that the company is going to come up with some mission statements and value statements and the way that management behaves. Uh, And then they're going to go intuitively to make sure that their core values make employees feel right in the workplace. What happens is sometimes we put it on a nice, you know, a nice wall and it's like 2D stuff. It means absolutely nothing. So if it's dead, then what are you communicating to the employees, right? So if you're really acting on intuition, you're creating a psychologically safe environment, you're asking for creativity, you're respecting their views. And when an employee feels like that, their intuition is going to say, this is a place that I want to work at. And that's when intuition is resonating. It's very much like a a skipping rope. And when they're in tune, you have basically a sinusoidal wave. Um, Otherwise, you've got a mess, and so when that happens, um, you know, your productivity increases, your happiness increases, you've got a stronger culture, uh, you have higher revenues. All the laggard indicators that people typically look for get hit. 
uh, the right way. But the important thing is these are laggard indicators. The leading indicator is how you treat people. Uh, and your actions have to match the words. So you can have a beautiful town hall meeting. You can definitely tell me that, yes, I treat my employees with respect. But your intuition is always on. Intuition is a two-way street. And the moment that they see that the actions don't match the words, your intuition is going to say, hmm, that's pretty interesting. He says that this is supposed to be, a, or you feel this is supposed to be a trusting environment. Now, remember, we're going to the amygdala. Trust. It's gone. It's just that simple. And now you've turned somebody who's two, 3D into 2D. Now this company is a statistic. Now I'm in Kijiji looking for another job. And you've lost the productivity I can bring, the camaraderie I can bring, uh, the enjoyment I can bring, the happiness I can bring, all these intangibles that are going to actually give you productivity. And statistics show you, you lose $750 billion in productivity because of unhappy employees. Gallup shows that 80% are unhappy. 20% of those are actually stealing from you. I mean, this is horrendous. All you have to do is make sure you, you treat people properly and you run a company properly from the get-go or morph into that. And it's, it's really easy. It's, it's relationships. You have that at home. You have that with your friends. Uh, you know, I'm not telling you, it's not kumbaya, hug everybody. You know, you have to be sure. a little bit empathetic, but you have to treat people with respect and be open and honest and authentic. And that's what's going to make people want to work for you. And that's intuitive resonance because then the intuition, because it's two-way street, are resonating with each other. And that's how you crush the competition. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, Sunil, is uh, an approach that you have where individuals can, uh, can sharpen their intuition. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So this is a, a seven-day challenge that I have. And what happens is you – so even before you have anything to do with me um, or want to dive deeper into what I do, uh, you come on the intuitionology.com, you, you take the seven-day challenge, you, you form a problem that you want to solve, that you're wanting to solve for a, a long time. And the first thing that you do in that seven-day challenge, and you, what you're doing essentially is you're taking your components of intuition to solve your problem, uh, and you're developing an action plan for your problem to solve it. It has everything to do with you. It's your intuition. I'm just giving you a process, which is really important to go through, uh, and the first thing I do is get you to focus on what didn't work in the past. That's your negative signals. Then we look at what did work in the past. Those are your positive signals. Uh, and I'm shortening a little bit just in the interest of time. Mm -hmm. sure. uh, and then you have a, an action plan. And the good thing with figuring out the negative signals first is that if you're developing an action plan and you're thinking about doing a, a specific step that is not right, now you're going to have a negative signal coming to you saying, mm, no. And now you know to take that out because if you keep it in there, then you're in trouble, right? Because now you haven't maximized the, you know, solving that problem. Then you have to take a look at who around you are you going to so help solve that problem. And you have to be very careful. Don't be too emotional here. Don't force your best friend in because he's a best friend or she's a best friend. Actually pick somebody. It could be a mentor. For that problem, who's going to solve it for you? And be very strict. What environment do you have to change uh, if you have to at all? Uh, and then take action. And then I measure your strength from the start uh, and at the end. Uh, I actually have a percentage indicator. Uh, and with over 54,000 people now through that seven-day challenge, 100% of the time in seven days, their intuition is strengthened. And now they have a template. I'm going to do that. And I, I'm going to tell my wife that I'm going to do it because I think that falls in line with her idea of I need to 
strengthen, sharpen my intuition is a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And it was really interesting that she was saying, um, uh, you know, look at the situations around you. And I'll give you a very good case study. One of my first interviewees was a non-believer. And so this is a guy who is an investment banker, data, spreadsheets, that ruled his life. And so when I was looking at writing gut and uh, starting intuition knowledge at the time, as I mentioned, everything came from manifestation and omens and all that. And he's just like rolling his eyes. And he says, Sunil, look, I'll give you an hour. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I don't believe in intuition. It will, we'll talk about it for five minutes and let's have a latte for the last 55 minutes. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a while. That's so sure, John. His name's John Rothschild. So I turn on the camera and it's very clear. He says, you know, I wish I could shake the hands of the guy who sees omens. Um, I just, like, you know, it's all about experience. And, and in business, intuition is just, unfortunately, it's just, it's not there. It's based on information and experience. And I said, oh, but hold on, John. Uh, and I'm going to get now into the four types of intuition and the signals on a non-believer. One of the four types of intuitions is called experiential intuition. And as we were talking about earlier, when you're born, you get all these experiences put in the subconscious area of your brain. And so when you're making a decision, your intuition in a split second has already been informed of all the experiences that you've had, both good and bad, both formal and informal of yours and others that you've noticed. And in that split second, it's, it's already informing you of the past experience that you'd have had that's going to help that decision or tell you that you already have the experience to make that decision. So that's how that positive signal works. And in some cases, intuition goes against the data. And then John says, well, that's interesting. I have, a, I have a, a, an example of that. And so he was saying, he was in the franchise area. And so he had a benchmarking system and a franchise opportunity like McDonald's, a w or something like that. A nine out of 10, they would put a location, looking at traffic patterns, development in that area, et cetera, et cetera. And so now we're getting into the second of the four called situational intuition. And this is where your wife was really important saying, watch your surroundings. So him and his partner are walking to this dilapidated area of Toronto. His team looked at this location. It's a five and a half out of 10. There's no way on paper they would have put anything there. But his partner and John are looking and saying, I think there's something telling us that we should put something here. Now, of course, they didn't know what that something was. It was intuition. And now he's saying perhaps it was intuition. Something told me to put something there, and they did, and that ended up being the most successful franchise operation from a PLL perspective called the beer market. And so now John's getting it. He's telling me about his stories, his experience with intuition, and the and the third of the four is called creative intuition. And what that does is it helps you make decisions that are so obtuse that other people think you're nuts. And so I asked John, "Do you have an example like that?" And he goes, "Oh, absolutely." So here's a guy, three to four million dollars a year on private jets, limousines, and high-end restaurants, and he gets his intuition telling him to quit to run this tiny, bankrupt little restaurant. Mm, wow. Now we get into the fourth of the four called relational intuition. All the people who mattered to him, the only people that matter to you should be the ones that care about where your purpose is, what matters to you. Everybody else who told him is nuts. We're concerned about the money he was going to give up, the fame he was going to give up, the lifestyle that looked good, but they didn't give two hoots to what he wanted. He wanted to be a coach. He was done with being an investment banker. He wanted to actually run something Mm -hmm. and nobody understood it but his wife. Hmm. 
So he well, goes to his wife. Good. <laughs> yeah, your wife will like that. Um, and he goes to his wife, and I'm paraphrasing here. No, I'm quoting him. And this is the intuitive signal. This just feels right. Now he recognizes the way that intuition speaks to him. And he listened to his wife, said, absolutely. The one person that really understood what he wanted said, yes. He quit, rolled up his sleeves, walked into that tiny bankrupt restaurant. That restaurant happened to be Eastside Mario's location number one. And that ended up being over 20 years, over a thousand location, different band names, $2 billion in revenues by the time he retired, all because of intuition. And so now in one hour, I've taken a non-believer getting him to talk about his stories, his experience was his intuition. Now he understands how it really be, behaves. So right going from the start of I, there's nothing called intuition that works to it just feels right. And now talking about intuition in one hour, a zero to a hero. My, my intuition kicks in sometimes uh, walking into a restaurant that you're unfamiliar with. And sometimes you just get a bad feeling. Yes. And it's that's, almost like your gut is telling you, yeah. all right, the health scores on this place or something about it. You're just yeah. like, Nope, Nope. Yep. Let's, let's just, let's just walk out. And, and that's intuition. That's your situational intuition <laughs> how to play. But and now don't forget that all the other four, also the other three are also working. So your intuition is looking at the situation. They're looking at the people. They're looking at your past experience uh, and maybe there's something about it that you, you didn't prefer. And then what's the decision you make, which is creative intuition. Some are going to be high or not. Like, so if, for example, if it was an empty restaurant, uh, then there's no, the relational intuition is going to be a little bit low. Uh, but all the other three, the other three are still working. So it, it's sort of, a, it's sort of like a radar, you know, you walk into something and then all of a sudden all the four types, and then you make the decision, I'm going, I'm leaving. And it happens just that quickly. Yeah. And you can step back and rationalize and say, okay, my intuition said, okay, wait a minute. No, something's wrong here. And then you step back and say, well, the place is empty. That must mean there's something wrong with the restaurant. Right. And, and you know, it, those lack of people. Yeah. Lack of people. And, and you know, I, I mean, if you rationalize it and you really are emotionally driven to eat there, then you might say, oh, well, because it's an off, it's, it's an off uh, thing, <laughs> right? And sometimes, you know, when people open up restaurants, some of my friends open up restaurants, I just roll my eyes like, you know, because they just don't have the experience. And oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes my wife will say, yeah, but, you know, um, sometimes when we drive by, it's busy. And I said, well, of course it's busy. It's noon. Uh, right. They have to still pay the bills when, you know, one thirty hits uh, or 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. when there's nobody. The heat's still on. The water's still going. Rent's not going to stop because nobody's there. Uh, that's where the, the challenge is. Right. And and then they're not turning over their tables. Right. If they can't turn over their tables because they're hiring people who don't have experience, uh, you know, waiter, you know, being uh, waiters and waitresses, then you're not, you know, you, again, we can get we, that can be another rabbit hole of, of conversation around calculations and stuff. But you're right. You know, and oftentimes that happens. But we don't really think about it as like, oh, my intuition told me that, um, which that'd be weird, if I guess, if you kind of operate a life like that. It's just like. Huh. And so for me, of course, I'm talking about all the time. So my kids are around it and my, and my wife is around it as much as they roll their eyes. Uh, you know, for me now, I, I can associate that with intuition, knowing that there's my signal, right? Because I'm in tune with the signal. Now, I'm not a robot. Uh, and so there's times where I get very emotional uh, and I'll have to, uh, you know, I'll have to think about things a little bit more because it's a more, it's a bigger marketing decision. Or I've got to think about the team member that's coming on. And I really need to think, even though my intuition is giving that thing that, yes, you're right. I still have to think about it and let the dots connect for me. 
um, and that's very, very important. Well, I know this is an important topic to you. So there's a company, uh, Intuitionology. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sunil Godsey uh, has been our guest today. The two books, again, are Fail Fast, Succeed Faster and Gut. So I'll make sure I link to all of that in the show notes. You have a podcast as well. I do, yes. The Intuitionology podcast series, correct. So I encourage people to check that out. And then you mentioned that seven-day challenge um, is there, what, what's the website? We can put a link in the show notes for people to come and, and do that. Absolutely. So yeah, so they can grab it off the intuitionology.com website and that can provide you a specific link for your guests. Okay. Very good. I appreciate that. I, I said that I am going to take advantage of, I'm going to take advantage of that, uh, personally. Absolutely. And Great. maybe I'll have my wife take a look at it too. Cause I, she feels like she has good in, she has a good connection to her intuition, but I'm sure she can still sharpen hers. Fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks. And uh, Sunil's website is sunilgodsey.com. Uh, so I'll put links mm-hmm. to all of that um, again in the show notes. So um, Sunil, thank you for sharing. Um, you know, I know it was uh, probably, a, uh, you know, it was a per- very personal story, but thank you for making connections also um, to the role of intuition in the workplace. So um, thank you for that. And I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you. To learn more about Sunil's work, books, and more, visit markgraben.com slash mistake92. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.